Hello, and thanks for joining Your Body Advocate podcast. I'm still out here advocating for your body. (laughs) My name is Ruth Cummings, and I am your host. Today, I am sharing an incredible interview with a wonderful woman named Alina Fernandez. She started a website called thepositivemom.com, and she's written many books and has been all over the media as an inspiration, a female entrepreneur, and many other accolades that she has accumulated as an amazing, amazing leader. So today we talk about some of the traumas that she's been through and survived in a powerful way to help anybody get through severe trauma. And one of them does include a near-death experience, which is fascinating. I hope you enjoy this lovely interview, and let's take a deep breath to relax. Ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to Your Body Advocate, telling your body's side of the story. The podcast dedicated to supporting and improving your body-mind connection so you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life, dissolving one body tension at a time. Discover the healing properties of your own body language, and together, let's explore ways to support and improve essential self-talk. Now, here's your host, Master of Encouragement and Body-Mind Life Coach, Ruth Cummings. Well, hello, Alina Fernandez. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Ruth. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited about our conversation. We've been speaking before, and I'm just excited that it's about to happen. I um, I want to read your bio real quick, and then uh, we can start our conversation, but just so people know who you are. So Alina Fernandez is a best-selling author, international speaker, and self-made mom entrepreneur. She's best known for her award-winning blog, thepositivemom.com, which has inspired millions of moms in over 160 countries to transform their grief into growth. Born and raised in a slum in the Dominican Republic and a multiple-time trauma survivor, Alina's mission is to provide moms with skills, strategies, and steps to find peace, break cycles, and feel whole. Alina holds a home and family studies certificate from the Brigham Young University, Idaho, as well as numerous certifications in the areas of neuroscience, personal development, and positive psychology. An avid storyteller, story strategist, and student of pain, that's interesting to me, Alina has spoken on prestigious stages around the world and has served as an advisor to leading brands and to some of the most renowned transformational leaders of our time. Alina is passionate about entrepreneurship. She started her first business at only seven years old. (laughs) She raised entrepreneurial daughters and has helped thousands of moms worldwide start profitable and impactful home-based businesses they love. As the first immigrant to the United States in her family, Alina has been named one of the top Latina influencers in the United States. She's a powerful advocate of diversity, inclusion, and representation. Alina has been sponsored by over 400 brands and has been on and has been featured on Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, Fox Again, CBS, and CW, The Huffington Post, Thrive Global, Telemundo, CNN Again, Latina, Success Magazine, 
Univision, Good Morning America, um, Desperata America, Entrepreneur on Fire, I love that one, and other national and international media. Wow, my friend, that is awesome. Her philosophy, her philosophy is be positive on your own terms. Alina, welcome, and wow, you're so amazing. I'm glad you're here. Oh, thank you, Ruth, and so are you. Oh, so I love your blog, and I think being a positive mom and just that spreading love in general through moms to our children, through families, is so important, and I would love your take on um, what you've learned through the first part of your life and anything else you want to talk about. I mean, we have so much to talk about, but I would like our listeners to hear a little bit more about your, um, your, your story, your rise and what you've learned. Thank you, Ruth, for the opportunity. And I'm, I'm so happy and honored to be here with you. And yeah, motherhood is quite a journey. And I'm very passionate about it, because I think that as moms, we have the power to change the world. And that is because, you know, to, to think about myself as a child, and how I grew up and the experiences that I went through, like you say, my rise, it happens in family. So we are born, you know, each of us are born into families and we create our world in community. So even if you didn't grow up with your parents, the experiences with your parents or lack of parenting shape who you are, shape the stories that you have in your mind. And for me, that started at a very young age. And I think that there was a dichotomy or I would say an encounter of different thoughts to most of the people in my life. I was worthless. I couldn't do anything right. And there was something, you know, flawed and broken about me. And that was my body. That was my brain. That was my spirit. And to some of the other people and my dad was you know right at the top i was beautiful i was going to change the world i was powerful and there was nothing in this world that i couldn't conquer and so i think that that definitely was the defining factor yes i grew up in poverty yes you know i didn't have access to what we call today children's rights and and i didn't have you know the 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 basic needs that a child should have but i think you know above all of that what i was lacking was a sense of belonging and a sense of being worthy a sense that i mattered so i think that since a young age i learned to do things to prove my worth, to prove my significance, to prove, you know, and justify why I was in the world. And I think that that has shaped my entire life. And that has something that that has shown up in different areas of my life. 
So going back to my original statement, as parents, as mothers, as mentors, or as caregivers, as educators, whatever it is that your role is in the life of a child, you have power to guide the conversation inside that child's mind. Because we're all gonna have voices. We're all going to have beliefs. We're, we're all gonna have a story. And that story is really going to depend on what we hear growing up. I always say, you know, the, the words that you speak to a child become their inner voice. And so in my latest book, I was talking about, you know, how my life has been a fight or a battle between the thoughts in my head that said, you know, you have the right to be here. You have the right to be more. And the thoughts that said, like, forget it. It's not worth it. Just be done with it. And that is a reflection of my childhood. And so motherhood is so essential and parenting in general, but I'm a mom, right? So I can speak for moms. <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> uh, it, it's just so essential to shape that conversation because the brain of a child is forming. I have the power now to guide my thoughts, to seek for help when I don't have it figured out. But as a child, you're really dependent upon that person, uh, that authority figure or those authority figures that are around you. I love how you have utilized your upbringing, no matter what it was. And I know, so like the slums, you know, it's so powerful and you have used that to, to guide your life. And I think that that is such a, it, it is a, a story that needs to be heard for all those kids who feel hopeless and who feel stuck and not just kids, a lot of adults, where we get into those stories where my life is this and this is where I'm stuck. And it's, and it's not like you can create it right now and you have so much support, even if it's not with your family, you can find your family around. And I just love your story. So tell me about, um, tell me about this book. First of all, I tell, tell us about that. And how can we get a copy of that and tell us, how, why did you, how many books have you written and why did you write this last one? Okay, well, thank you so much. So, you know, you can find me as an author on Amazon and get access to all of my writings. My last book, wow, it was really fun because, or how it started, because my daughter, I have four girls, they're 19, <laughs> 18, eight and two. Oh my gosh. And my oldest came home for, uh, a break from school. She goes to school in another state. And so we were going to have the best mother-daughter bonding time. That was our intention. And so my daughter says, there's a poetry challenge that I want to join and I want you to join with me. And it's, you write a poem every day for 21 days. Oh, and so it. I was intimidated because as a child, I loved poetry and I wrote in Spanish. And so I was like, I've never written poetry in English, and I don't know how that's going to look like. And, but I really loved the concept of writing with my child. So 
we started the 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 challenge and i knew that i wanted to use it to turn my pain into something beautiful and so that's what i called it i said this is a challenge to turn my pain into poetry oh love that you are yes. so inspirational <laughs> thank you i mean just the i i oh please continue in just a moment. But the, the idea of writing with your child, even when, you know, we, they're always our children, we could be a hundred and they're still our children. Right. So like the, to write with your child, no matter what age, that just sounds so magical and very healing and very really bringing the two together. And uh, I'm, I'm going to put that in my head and do that with my kids. I I thank you for that. But so continue. So you're writing this incredible book. Okay. So poetry based or, or inspired. Yes, yes. And so it was really hard. Really? Really hard to just, you know, allow myself to go into these places that I had already kind of buried and that were scary and that I didn't want to go into because when I felt about, you know, just thinking about the thoughts of, what we like to call our inner critic in the negative voices that show up. I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning and just say, you know, what painful story do I want to process right now? (laughs) Going into that space first thing in the morning was really, really exhausting and worth it because then I would, as soon as I got started, I just started to pour all of that and I felt a sense of relief and release. Like all of those ideas and stories and feelings were actually being transferred to my computer. And some, sometimes it was really hard for me to do it on the computer and I would take a pen and paper and do it. And so it was really really cleansing for me and that's how it felt and then you know we would compare poems because she wrote her poem I wrote my poem so it was also really a beautiful experience to share that with my daughter and I I share it with both my oldest daughters and uh, but you know to see the art that she was creating and she's just so good and her book is also available on Amazon and just to see the, what she was creating and what I was creating and being in that process together was really supportive. So even though it was hard and then it was even harder to allow myself to publish it out into the world because, you know. Yeah, that just makes me, yeah, like as I put myself in that. So, wow, so yeah. the courage, the courage to yeah, put it in the know, world. Courage comes from corazón, from from heart. And so one of the things, you know, I remember I I always speak at this conference called WordCamp. It's for geeks like myself that (laughs) like to to design websites and create content on WordPress. And my daughter spoke. They were the youngest ever speakers at WordCamp at that time. And they were 12 and 13 or 11 and 12. I don't remember exactly. And, and so someone asked them, because they were speaking about being authentic in your content. That was their, their title. And someone asked them, like, how do you 
publish your thoughts and emotions on a blog when, you know, I'm 65, I think it was, or 62, and I just feel terrified to publish my stories. And my daughter said something that always stuck with me. And she said, you know, love cast away all fear. And so I connect to the love that I have for a person that's going to read it. And my fear dissipates. It, the love rises up and my fear rises down. And so it shrinks the fear. And so I, ever since then, she inspired me to just connect to that love. And so that definitely increases our courage. When we put our heart and we focus on the love, we have a greater capacity to do courageous things. And that's exactly what happened. Even though I knew that it was hard, I leaned into the love and if you know, I published this book because I knew that it was going to help others. And it's not just the poetry, but the, I, I also included what it means to the person who's reading. And also I included prompts so that they too can process their painful stories in a safe space. Because I feel that as we process our pain, as we lean into those painful things that shaped us, that created stories in our mind, then we can become better humans, but also we can become better parents, better mentors, better caregivers. We can minimize the amount of suffering that happens in the world. Yes, ma'am. I love all of that. So did your daughter, when she was writing, you guys had separate separate poems, right? So she was reading your poem, but she was doing her own life and her own poems. Yeah. And yours was, was she was, um, and, and the other thing for her to get up, and this is in front of a group of people, she's saying love dissipates fear. Yeah. When so, that is amazing. Is she still a, a public speaker and she feels comfortable doing that? Yeah, both of them are. And they oh. actually used to speak in tandem because they co-wrote a book when they were nine and 10. And so and their blog is a joint blog. So they're in business together and they would, you know, they still speak to, to audiences. And, you know, my oldest, she's, uh, she's in college. So they, they do a lot of virtual together and not so much in person anymore. But, but yes, they, the reason why I'm so proud of that, you know, because not everybody has the, the power or gift of public speaking is this, this was my childhood was bullied in school and whose self-esteem was, you know, down on the ground and who, you know, struggled with, with feeling a sense of worth. And now she's inspiring so many people with her words, with her art, with her writing and with her speaking. So it really speaks to what we, you were saying before, which really inspired me that no matter where you are in your journey, that you can rise above that. And, and she is definitely a testament of that too. Yes. I mean, you guys are so inspiring. I would love to talk to your daughters. That would be a fun you know, podcast also, because I, I work with a lot of uh, women their ages. And you know, there is this, this feeling of invisibility, um, not being understood, but basically not being seen and that our, our, what we have to say isn't important. And that 
causes so much pain. And that's what I see in bodies when they come in, they're holding that in their body. And I love what you're saying about writing, that you can take what's hurting you and put it into the computer or into your journal. And if you can see that, like it can, it can just melt out of your body and not have to create so much agony, um, agony is maybe a strong word, but just a, a pull of energy and what it does to our spirit and our, our, our daily life can be detrimental. And it's like, a um, I hear this a lot, but I also say it in my own business where we, we have a, like a container and we, we yeah. put garbage in it, right. We put these things and finally it starts to overflow. And when that happens, that's when people come see me when it's like, I don't know what happened, but when we go back a little bit, you can see their suffering, um, not being processed. I'm going to ask you a question about processing that. So I know writing, you're saying, how can one be the best advocate for their own body? Oh, I love that you said that. And, you know, your, your question is right on, right on. Um, I think that being an advocate for your body is the best thing that you can do. And I think that I have fallen into the trap of you know being too much in my mind and being too much in my spirit um and I know you know this but I was in a coma for eight days and that was after you know a car crash I was in the back seat with my brother two friends in the front seat you know my friend was driving and the car flipped, fell on top of me, and I was instantly pronounced dead. They took me and, you know, took all of us, actually. They, they weren't really hurt physically, uh, but they wanted to check them out, you know, and my brother insisted and persisted, you know, just forget about me, look at my sister. And so I had a, a, a little bit of time in which I was, not in my body. And then I had eight days in which I was actually in a coma after I was back alive. And so I had this experience in which I could see my body down below. I could know who I was as a spirit, but I also had thoughts, conscious thoughts, and I could hear what was going on around me, everything that people were saying, I could feel their energies. It was like my body was not functional, but my mind and my spirit were more aware and more alive than ever, which I really enjoyed. And, you know, I could talk to you for hours about that experience. And, and there's actually a poem in my book about it. But I will tell you that I was just so fascinated that there were three distinct parts of me. And I had just this new sense of just understanding of how my body played such a big part in this trinity, I call it. And to backtrack to that, you know, 
I, I received the message, a very clear message while I was, you know, I, I, this energy above. And I say above because I literally was looking down on my body and I was looking down at everything that was going on. It was like as this, the roof of the hospital was taken away. It was really strange. Wow. So <laughs> neat. Yeah, I definitely and, have questions about this, but that's another time. So continue. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like receiving these messages. It's not your time. It's not your time. Get into your body. Get into your body. And so that meant coming back to life. That meant pain. And I had a very, you know, I get goosebumps thinking about this, a, a very strong resistance to that. Because wow. just six months before that, I was kidnapped. Oh my and gosh, tell me I the was, story. We started yes. about this before, but please share yes. with our. Yes, I was kidnapped by a stranger. I was on my way to school and, you know, there are these public car transportations in the Dominican Republic. They're always like these beat up cars that, that here you wouldn't see them on the street, you know, because they're so beat up and they, they have like this aspect of young jerk aspect kind of. Um, and so I took a, a public transportation car every day and I was so proud of myself that I could pay transportation, that I could, I was going to college. It was so great. And I get in this car and I give him my, my, the fare. And he said, oh no, that's not how you're going to pay for that. Oh no. And then I saw how he you know, put the windows up and lock the car. And I had come from, you know, a town where I, we walked everywhere. I didn't know cars very well. I didn't know how to get out of this car. I don't know if it was child lock or what it was. I had, I had no awareness. I just know a car as something that you get, you get in, pay your fare, you know, tell the driver where to stop. I had no awareness and he just trapped me in this car and I lived the most horrifying experiences that a 19 year old girl can live in that car where, you know, I was abused physically, sexually, emotionally. And so after that time, and I was, you know, so I survived that experience. I was not supposed to, according to him. But that period of time, six months between this incident and the car accident, I hated my body. I hated my body. I was like, you know, I've been saving myself because that's what you're supposed to do. So now I'm damaged goods because that's what I was taught you know, my body's nasty. Like I literally was disgusted. Every single piece of my body reminded me of where his hands or his, you know, baseball bat or where his, you know, parts had been. And it was disgusting to me. I couldn't take enough showers. I couldn't, you know, I had nightmares every day. And so for me, I'm in this peaceful state in a coma and I'm experiencing this beautiful spiritual love. And you're telling me that I need to go back 
to that body, I did not want to, Ruth. It was like, wow. no. Wow. And it's and on top of that, it's broken. They had, you know, I had 19 broken bones. Oh. I had chest tube right here, still have the scar, but I won't bother you with it. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, I can't even breathe. Why am I going back to that? You know? Wow. And so it was just this experience, like, no, in order to really truly live, to truly have freedom, you need to get back to it. Yes. And, and I did. And, and, and I've changed my relationship with my body in that as I've learned to process that experience, because it wasn't just like, oh, I'm, I'm enlightened now. Right. You know? <laughs> now I'm over it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was 19 years of you're ugly, you're too short, you are, you know, you don't have the perfect body. Um, you know, your body is something that gets hit and beat up every day. You know, this was my story since I was pretty much born. You know, your body, you know, you don't have the, 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 the clothes or the right school uniform or the good shoes or the, you know, it, it was like my body was a burden for 19 years. So I had to relearn this experience. And, and the first thing that happened is that I started to heal physically, right? to learn how to move again to to you know with with the brace and i had my mouth shut because my jaw was broken into oh, heart so learn how to write with my left hand because my right body was completely destroyed and so learning to honor the healing self-healing ability of my body and how it comes back yes this thing is amazing you know and yes I have scars but I can breathe I can walk I can talk I you know and and it's just this 180 and then to see to recognize that I'm not only my body that I have these parts of me that can see my body but are not my body that can feel my body but are not my body and so to really honor all three parts of me and not focus because because before that my identity was I'm the smart one I'm not the pretty one I'm not worthy to be alive but I'm smart. And as long as I get straight A's and achieve and show people that I can, I deserve to be alive, then I can stay alive. And so wow. now I'm not just my mind. Right. You were able to see all yeah. parts. Yeah. I'm divine. I, yes. Right. And my body matters. And it is not only beautiful, but it's magical. It regenerates, it sustains me. It allows me to feel not only pain, but embrace. And I'll tell you this real quick because it's so beautiful. When I woke up from the coma, the first thing I felt was my dad's hand holding mine. Oh. I love that. And it was just the best. 
I wow. Mean, so not even pain, like you felt the love of his yeah. touch. Yeah. And that was, yeah. So yeah. I love yeah. this. This, this is amazing because so many people don't understand that. And you didn't until this huge, these terrible things. I'm so sorry that he did that to you, by the way. I just want to give yeah. you hugs and healing. That's mm. awful. And, but what a gift, right? We can look at it now, now um, that you were able to put all of those, the accident and those things together and see how our body works together in a spiritual, mental, emotional, physical way. And we can heal so much from the inside, some prayers and some faith. But even those people, just a caveat for even those people who don't feel faith right now, there's ways you can heal from within and to find that maybe the faith in yourself. And, yeah. but um, I just, uh, but wow, your dad, your dad has been a powerful thing in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, cause he believed in you so much as a child and just brought you up and saw you as the incredible person you are, even through these other people that were trying to push you down, even ourselves, right? Even, yeah, you know, you're yeah, saying the thought yeah, yeah, of, yeah, absolutely. you know, yeah. you know another circle Amazing. back is the, how you see your body after being traumatized by, uh, you know, the, the evil or the whatever of another person that we, and, and so many women go through this where our body becomes this, we're so ashamed of it. And just, mm -hmm. we just put it aside. We look away. There's an interesting thing because this area of our body, if, if there's a headache, like right here, and it's as if our body and our spirit and our mind, everything is going like this mm -hmm. and ignoring something that's too hard to look at mm. and it can cause a headache eye pain jaw pain this thing around our eyes where our eyes are just not able to digest something that happened to us until we we know we have the support when your dad touched you i bet that support started and um you know of course sometimes before that little things that we don't even remember or think about but our our body it starts to absorb the good and I think that it, um, if you're willing, then it can really heal. How do you feel about that? Do you agree with that? I agree a hundred percent. And that's, and that's how we can be advocates. You know, I, I think it's through, through recognizing that through loving our body, number one, and not love, like, you know, I think I'm perfect in right. some kind of standard way that has been fed to me. But, right. but that I think I'm perfect in the way that my heart is beating while I'm sleeping, while I'm here with you, while I'm, you know, every, all the time, at all time, it never rests. And when our heart stops, that's when we stop, right? And so to know that those organs are supporting me, to know that my skin is allowing me to feel the touch of my my dad and my brother and and the people that are loved in my life the first step is to to see that and the second step is to know that when our body like you said is giving us signals it's not because 
our body is mean and you know my my head wants to hurt right now is because it's a signal that something is off so our body those those signals of our body are coming from the inner wisdom of our body and so that's exactly how we become the advocates that you asked me about is is my body is perfect, so you know it works for me. Right now, it's sending me this signal. How can I be an advocate? What can I do? What is it inside of me that I can do to get my body back to balance? And yes, to heal the, the perception that we have of our body. I like something that you said first. It's that not only can we heal our body and our mind and our emotions and our spirits, um, it doesn't happen on other people's terms. Because you said, you know, there are people right now that don't have the faith. And that was me. Hi, I'm Elena. And when I went through that kidnap experience, I lost all faith in God, myself, mm -hmm. other people, mm -hmm. men, Right. cars i mean the justice system oh, because mm. i had i i had to go and i say i had to because it wasn't really much of a choice for me had to go through a trial to convict this man that was you know really i would say even more demoralizing than it than the act itself and so I lost faith in everything. And to me, there was no sense of justice. And every single day, Ruth, I question, like, why am I awake? Why am I alive? And, and, and it's, it's real. So if you're there right now, give yourself grace. You're not alone. You're not alone. And you can, you can get through it. I... I so want to touch on that a little bit more, if you don't mind, because yes. I am right in the middle of helping some, some people who feel that way. And I think there's, we know that there's thousands of people who feel like they've lost faith in God, they've lost faith in humanity and themselves. And there's this, this feeling of just being lost and being alone and, and that there's no way to get over uh, what they've been through. And I just want to, if you could speak to that, because I know you're so encouraging and to know that you, oh my gosh, just, just one of those, you had two incredibly intense incidents, incidents, and, you know, to put those two together and that here you are, like, you're amazing. And you've, you know, you have amazing, you're amazing mom and your, and your babies. There's, I say, I'm always going to say babies. I don't mean to be disrespectful to them, but even <laughs> my, they're always going to be babies to us, but please tell, um, give some encouragement for those listening who might even know somebody who is feeling just like, just lost. What, how, yeah. how did you, how did you what did you do first, maybe? And how, how, how would you talk to them? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think that there are, I would say, misguided motivations and positive motivations. And so the motivations for me to stay alive at that time in my life weren't, were, were more of anger 
and of wanting to prove something. Um, and that was because, you know, I was just so beat up as a child every day and just told so many horrible things that I, you know, I would never tell another human. And so that was a driver for me, the anger that I felt, the sense of injustice. And so that is to say that that if that's where you are, use it. Right. Use, use what you can find. I agree. Use if, it. It, yeah. if it's stubbornness and anger, girl or boy, yeah. use it. Yes. Use it. It's powerful and it, it served me to stay alive. And here I am. So you know what? Yes, because I, I have been able to birth four amazing <laughs> beings in this planet and to help people and to do things that I'm really proud of, you know, to be there for people, to to encourage somebody. So my life has mattered in the yes. past time, you know, the, the time that I've stayed alive because of that. So don't, you know, I think that we put pain on pain because we say like, well, I did it, but I did it because I was angry. So it doesn't count. Right. Okay? It doesn't matter as much. Exactly. And no, it matters. Use whatever you can get. Find a reason to live, even if it's to show, to prove, to to whatever it is. And then as you're living, you'll find more answers. So, so that's the number one. Number two is it's okay to not have faith. It's okay. Find someone that does. Find someone that does. And, and you know, a lot of people tell us, we can control our thoughts. We can control our emotions. We can control our response. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's sometimes not. Sometimes yes. sometimes it just comes. And, and it, I don't know if it, it maybe it's a brain imbalance. Maybe it's a trigger from the past. Maybe whatever it is, whether it's chemical or emotional, sometimes you need help. And I have asked for help because sometimes I'm just too deep. I call it the seduction of death. And actually that's, that's what, what I titled one of my poems as well, because it's sometimes I felt, and this is not 19 year old me. This could be 43 year old me, I'm 45 right now. And this could be me tomorrow because sometimes this is a path that we walk through life and it, and it just, you don't know when it's going to come. And so one lie that I used to tell myself is like, I should be farther along. I should be over this. This shouldn't be happening to me anymore. I have, you know, I have the tools. I have the knowledge, but I should be grateful. But I survived this. Why am I, you know, now worried about this tiny thing? And that is all a lie, girlfriend. It, if you're feeling it, it's valid. And if it feels big, it's big. It doesn't matter what people are saying. You know, we compare our pain and it's like, oh, well, I've never been kidnapped. So I should be grateful. Or this is a tiny problem. My, one of my mentors, Gabor Mate, he says, trauma is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happened to you. So if society is telling you that's a first world problem, well, whatever society, 
you don't you're not inside of me and and don't get me started with the first world third world thing because you know i'm from the dominican republic so i really don't like those terms but it's just let's stop minimizing our pain let's stop validating you know start validating our pain instead and knowing that if it feels hard it's hard if it feels big it's big and if it feels like i can't handle it then maybe there's a little bit of truth in that and let's find someone that can help us handle it i totally agree i want to circle back to something you were saying this is a fight for life whether yes. you you're fighting for life in the situation that happening and you you learn to stay quiet and i talk about that in some of my podcasts where our body shuts down its voice because you have to survive so yeah. you're not saying anything and then later you know you get out of whatever trauma okay so you you're kidnapped and you get away from this evil person and then it goes into um okay we should be over it okay your parents are divorced get over it you're you're you know you lost your job get over it and uh, okay your spouse cheated on you get over it like you know you're someone died in your life and that's just not okay. There, there, our body goes into this, into this, we know like the survival mode, right? And we are, what I would like people to hear that you just said, you are fighting for your life mm -hmm. even now. And I mm -hmm. love what you said, the seduction of death. Oh my gosh. That is all, many of us go through that on a daily basis where we such intense self-judgment that we have learned in our society, if you aren't judging yourself, then you aren't like, there's a judgment of judgment. Yes. And it's, I really want to, I'm, I'm saying, Oh, look at my stomach is fat today. Oh, look at, I look bad. And, you know, and I'm saying that in front of my daughter going, wow, I should not be saying this in front of my daughter. And five minutes later, she's like, wow, look, my stomach is bad. And I look bad in this outfit. And I'm like, ah, I just, I just yeah. taught her that. Yeah. And and I'm, it's like, if you're not in our, at least in the American society, if you're not saying something bad about yourself, then, you know, you're, it's not okay to be proud. It's not okay to be a powerful, especially as women, yep. you know, you have to stay behind and maybe talk if you, if you have a chance and there's a lot. Yeah. That's a whole Pandora's box. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, I'm still with you. <laughs> I'm just hugging you all along, sister. I can't wait to give you a high five in person. Yes. Could you share a little bit more about if you if you feel comfortable fighting for life is how I'm hearing you say this, but you're the seduction of so do you those people in that right now, um, what do you tell them? Wow, you know, this is, you know, my book is is called Dancing with Death because that's, that's what it's about. And, and that's why it was so hard to put it out there because it's, it's really suicidal ideations and, and resignation and, and that seduction. Well, number one, I've been dead even for a you know, few short minutes, but it was the most beautiful experience ever. Yeah. I, you know- I'm jealous, isn't that, isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we fear it, but we are, are curious. Yes. And so and so I'm not afraid of dying at all. That's, you know, something that I I definitely uh, can't tell you. And yet I'm terrified of not living. Wow. Yes. What does that mean to you? Not living. 
not living, you know, I call it a flatlined existence when I am not myself, when I'm not in my body. So, you know, I'm not really in the flow of things. I'm not, you know, really enjoying, loving, honoring my body. I'm not able to have a voice. Maybe I censor myself. Maybe I allow others to censor me, which is also censoring myself, right? Because right. I, I allowed it. Um, and when I definitely block my spirit with, with any corruption, like hatred, because that's, that's a poison. So for me to live is to really be on purpose every day. Now, now one thing that I want to talk about, and it's a little bit of what you said is, you know what? Um, I just wrote a blog post called stop striving to be your best. And it's, (sighs) I need that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's about that, you know, that self judgment and that not being okay with you in the present moment. And I think that's the true death. The true death is just being in this, in this wheel of one day I'll be this and one day I'll be that. And you don't even rest between goals. You don't acknowledge the miracle that this day is today. And so for me, having been, you know, the first time I was, I had a near death experience, I was three months old. And then I continued to have many because I, I was epileptic and my seizures were near fatal. Then, then, you know, I had cancer when I was 28 years old and I've been through this coma and I've been through this kidnap and, you know, being through so much violence throughout my life. And for me to be here today is a miracle. Yes. And so, yes, yes. And so to live in the past and to live in the future is a disservice to today. So that's truly living. It's saying, you know what? I don't know how many pounds I am because I don't really do that. But like, let's say I was 100 pounds because I'm four nine. <laughs> well, four eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, okay. Eight, but yeah. Whatever amount of, you know, like whatever, this is me and I am supposed to love me today. And I lost my temper today, or I didn't complete something today, or I, whatever it was, it's like, okay, that was me today. What can I learn? What can I be grateful for? You know, and if I'm given another day, then I get to try again. So that's truly, that's truly what life is. But I, I live this, this worry-free life, pain-free life, which was the spiritual life for a few minutes. So my first seduction is, it's so stressful down here. It's so painful down here. It's so fragile down here. It's, you know, you have so many interactions with other people and it's, it's about them too. So sometimes I just feel like, I wish I could die just to rest from that, just to feel that sense of rest. And you know what? That's, that's valid. It's overwhelming. Life, it's overwhelming sometimes. And, and yes. it's, it's a seduction. Yes. And so honor that. 
honor that. Just say, you know what? That's a valid, valid feeling. But then say, what can I do instead of that? Like, how can I get that without having to go? Without having to end my life? And that's, that's one question that I ask myself. So it's like, okay, well, I could actually rest while being alive. Right. It is an option. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I'm looking for rest. Yeah. I, I feel tired. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I can't handle it. So, you know, and it's back to that question. How could I handle it? If I could yeah. handle it while I'm still still here, how could I handle it? Could I handle it by saying no to that? Maybe saying no to that or maybe saying no to that person or maybe um, saying yes to that person that offered to help me. And I was like, no, I can do it all by myself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's me. me and, too. So, and so it's, it's that sense, like, you know, what part of death is calling to me? Is it the, you know, like that there's no judgment maybe there? So how can I stop judging myself? So it's, it's looking for that because, because it's valid to look for something and to want to end something. It's valid for you. You know, you don't have to live a life where you feel that it's not worth it or that you are not worth it. And maybe it's a change of environment. Maybe it's, you know, that, that you got to rest or that you got to say no to something or yes to something, but just finding the root of where that feeling is coming from can help you stay alive. It has helped me. And sometimes, you know, I can't find it, but I, I have trained myself to, you know, maybe call my brother, maybe go to a suicide helpline or chat. You know, I've been to the chat. I've never been able to like call um, because I literally, and I think this is part of my trauma. My voice is gone and I don't feel like I can speak when I'm in that state. So I'm really grateful for the chat because I can't type, <laughs> you know? And so if you can't find it by yourself, then ask somebody else to help you find it. And sometimes they can't. I mean, if you don't have that safe person, you can do, um, you know, the suicide people, they're safe. But um, one thing is like, sometimes it's not about finding it. It's about getting out of that moment. Um, Jill Taylor Bolte, she is a neuroanatomist, I always try to say that with the most beautiful English I can say, but that was very good. good <laughs> okay, job. Anatomist. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Celia Cruz used to say, you know, my English is not very good looking. <laughs> so I, try to make it, I try to make good looking, but she used to say that it takes 90 seconds just to ride that wave of that emotion. So, so if someone can help you just, you know, hold you for, for a few minutes, it will go away. It just, you just have to kind of ride that wave, but it's true. It's a fight for our lives because life is, life is messy and life is hard. I'm not here to tell you it isn't. And I call myself a positive mom because I know that not because I pretend that it's not there. It's because I I write that book. Right. And, And because I, I write those thoughts and because I tell my story and because I call my, my, my safe people. Or I, or I chat with them. That's what being positive means. It's not to be 
grateful for something that is horrible. And can I say a few more things about that? Of course. I love this. Please. Oh, because I, it's my soapbox. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. I remember, you know, escaping this, this just horrible experience and, and then just winning the trial, right? Because, and I won, I won, you know, like people just told me like, you won and you're alive right. and you're not pregnant. Like, right. so, like let's be grateful, right? <laughs> Oh no, my gosh, no, no. you have so much to be grateful for and, and it happened for a reason and, and oh my gosh, you're so strong and oh my gosh, that's why I wanted to die. That, I call it, I call it motivational guilt and it's this, well-meaning people who love you, who cherish you, they praise you for being strong and they shame you for feeling your feelings. And they don't even know it, right? They don't, they don't have a clue, but you can have a clue now, right? right. And you can, you can practice this. But one thing that we do is that we say, and, and you said it, it's a gift, but, we, but, but it's not. That's not the gift, okay? Right. Yeah. Me going through that, you said, like, I'm sad that this happened to you. I want to hug you, of course, because it's not a gift. It's a horrible experience. Oh, yeah, you know what the gift is? The, the choice of being alive. The yes. choice to move on through it. The choice that I made. Yes. I'm the gift. Now yes. I'm going to say it again. So that you claim it, if you're listening and you, Ruth, claim it, we are the gift. Right. I am grateful for me. I'm not grateful for him and what no. he did to me. I'm not grateful for it and that it happened to me. I'm grateful for me that I, in a moment of, I don't know what kind of, you know, and I get goosebumps, you know, I, in a moment of divine strength, and divine aid, I was able to see that little window thing come up. Wow. And you and survived and you fought. I fought. I was partly naked. I was bleeding from like every part of my body. I was, you know, bruised and broken. And I managed to get out of that car and walk myself to a gas station. Wow shameless you know like I didn't care that you know everybody could see my breast and everybody could see my you know all the the ribs and all this blood coming out of my nose and the chunks of hair that were missing from my skull oh my gosh or from my you know everything it didn't matter I just thought I'm grateful for that person I'm grateful that I did that and you know who I'm grateful for as I walked to the gas station this beautiful woman oh. she came out of her car fancy car I would have never you know even dreamed of getting in a car like those and her you know I, I assumed it was her husband um he's wearing a fancy tuxedo jacket she wow. takes it off of her Aww. gets down from the car hmm. puts it on me 
and just hugs me. And I just could feel her pearls and her, you know, the beautiful fabric in her fancy dress. And it was just getting all, you know, dirty from my blood and my tears and my snot and all of these things, you know? And it was just like, she didn't say a word, Ruth. Wow, all that she needed to. She just hugged me. That's who we need to be, isn't it? That's it. That's who to be. Yeah, I agree. That she's the gift. She's like the gift. One of one of the yes. many. Yes. And and you're and you're yes. and you and the the fact that you were able to and you did win your life. You won your life back from that whatever person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. I I can just see this unfolding in my head, and I just want to hug her. Like. Yes. You know, because not everybody stops, Mm-mm. right? People drive by and they, they just drive by and good for her to come out. And and her husband was supportive, but quiet. That was lovely, you know, because he probably understood a little bit of what, what was happening, but he was positive and powerful, but quiet. And that's the love that just like you, that, that I want to cultivate and spread that there's so much of that. And as a collective love, we are very powerful people Mm -hmm. and we can heal. They started healing you right there. Yeah. Oh, I, I attribute, you know, because then I, I was about to be humiliated and put through all kinds of things after that. And I believe that the six months we talked about of wanting to die and not having faith and she was she was my reason and I don't know her name oh my gosh I don't know who she is she's never I mean I hope that you know if she's alive or if she can see me from wherever she is I hope that she knows the difference that she made in my life and this is what fuels me Ruth that we can be that for somebody else and we don't need motivational guilt we don't need to tell them that that you know it happened for a reason we just need to hold them in yes. their pain just yes. like you keep saying i want to hug you that is that our response to pain that should be always our response to pain Yes. And pain takes so many forms, right? It's so many forms. And, oh, I just want to, I'm, it's interesting that you don't know who that is. And I just, I also just, wow, that, that power and that woman of, of absolute unconditional healing for you, like unconditional space that, uh, you know, I hope she's, I hope she's something I hope she's taken that to some other levels. I'm sure she has. And I just yeah. send her so much love and just, she motivates us, right? Like yes, she yes. motivates me. If I see somebody I'm going to, you know, I keep things in my car blankets and things to help, but you know, yes. um, maybe it's thankful that I haven't had to do that, but I just, I just want to encourage people to help one another. And yeah. Um, and then your fight, you're just so amazing. Everything that I've learned from you, just, I just, I really look up to you, inspire me a lot. Thank you. And you know, we are all amazing. And that's, that's the, I'm going to say, yes, thank you. I am because we all are and we forget. And that 
that is, you know, what really keeps me here. I always tell my daughters, like, you know, I don't know anything. Everything that I quote unquote know is like 50% possible that it's all a lie and I just made it up or that's how I experienced it. And 50% that, that it's true and that's really how it is. But one thing, you know, that, that I love is that, that we need that 50%. You know, that when I'm in my, in my moment of darkness, I remember, well, like there's a 50% chance that I'm amazing and that I can survive this and that, that this could, this could be just one bump in the road. It does a 50% that it'll crush me and kill me and that this is the end of me. And so just having that curiosity and that humility to not only accept the bad, and the catastrophe, but also to accept the good. And I don't know if you've read the Bible, but yes, there, there's a, a passage that I was reading with my daughters one time. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with it, like it's this John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. I think that everybody knows that story because, you know, it's one of the like the Bible stories for people that don't even believe or read the Bible. And so the, the reason I'm bringing it up is because, you know, it, it said that he was so humble that he didn't even want to be baptized of Jesus. Like, hey, you're the big guy. Like, why are you coming to me? <laughs> and so, you know, for those who don't know, you know, it's like he was preparing the way for Jesus. And so my daughters were like, wow, yeah that's so humble that's he was just uh, you know a really humble guy and i'm like actually i don't think so i think he's kind of arrogant <laughs> i mean there's a 50% that he was humble but there's a 50% that he was just arrogant because if the big guy comes i'm going to say whatever you whatever you say big guy i'm not going to resist right. the big guy <laughs> <laughs> and so you know it's that part of like we we believe that we're not worthy like John the Baptist did in this moment but then 50% of him was like I'm gonna get this done I got this right and, right because right. if he's coming to me and he's telling me to do it then right maybe there's something to this. And that's the same thing that I want in my life to have. It's like, I don't feel worthy of speaking in front of 5,000 people. But if I'm invited, then maybe right. I should speak in front of 5,000 people. Or I don't feel worthy of being accepted to this college. But if I, if I have that idea and it came to me and I kind of want to do it, then maybe I should at least try it because at least there's 50%. Um, I don't feel that amazing when Ruth tells me that I'm amazing, but you know what? If she's saying it, I could take her word for it and say like, yeah, I am. So, you know, it's like, yes, and. So not feel so grand that I deserve everything and I know everything and everything is there for me, but not feel so small that I miss out on the beauty 
and connection and purpose that has been laid out for me. And I think that not only can keep you alive, but can also allow you to be such a contribution to the world because you're gonna be able to express your gifts. And, you know, just like in John's case, he was the one that baptized Jesus, you know? Um, but you could be the one who hugs someone at a gas station and inspire them to do the work they do in the world and to, you know, be a different person than the world told them that they were, they, they were going to be. I love that. Yes. Be the hug, you know, be the smile yeah. for yeah. that person. And you just never know how it can change someone's life in that moment of need. And you don't even know that they need. And, yeah. you know, I, I love your story about John the Baptist and how, because we all, we are there. He questions it. And Jesus is like, no, good. You're good. And like, if, if, you know, with, with like your gifts, God has given you all these gifts and there's times God has given me gifts. And I'm like, wait, I question that even though tens of thousands of hours we have done our yeah. work for the, for God really. And then we still, I, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I question mine. I'm like, wait, should I be, I'm, I'm having a feeling that I should do this and then I do it. And, but I question that in the moment, still, still yeah. question it. And you yeah. know, as parents, we question, wait, should I, I mean, it's a daily question, right? I'm going to have a, I think I'm going to write a blog post called a, or maybe not a blog post, a blog called a, um, a parent of the year. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> Just have a bunch of stories of all of us doing our parent of the year day, you know, Hey, parent of the year. But Oh, I love that you mentioned that. And it's true. You know, we all question ourselves and, and, and the, the, the key is to question the questioning. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm a questioner. Let me question that. Then, you know, I can question uh, the, the reason and the purpose and the gift and what and and not shame ourselves for questioning it's okay i question myself should i publish this book like uh you know it's my darkest thought out to the world um and is it really gonna make a difference and you know what i wasn't gonna get my answer until i published it (laughs) and i and i and i got my answers and i i'm really happy that the love you know really dissipated the fear because it really has made a difference in some people's lives and especially people who have been grieving the loss of someone and so you know what I'm glad that I questioned my questioning question you know doubted my doubt as they call it and was like you know what but it could be you You doubted your seduction you know what I mean? Yes, yes. And that's what, like, we have to doubt that seduction because it comes to all of us. Should yeah. do it. Did I deserve to survive? Did I deserve to get out of these mm-hmm. things that did I deserve? And uh, we question that. I love what you're saying. I'm hearing. So be on the 50%, just like John the Baptist, look at the positive, look at, um, you know, th- maybe you should, maybe you, maybe it's okay. It is. Look at that. Take 90 seconds to think about it. Fight for your life. These are some of the things I heard you say today that I that I think are really powerful. A lot of others. The other one I have to say again, love dissipates fear. 
love that. I want to keep continuing to say that. And um, to wrap up today, anything else you'd like to share? Yeah. Give me, your, give me your closing thoughts today. I think our, my closing thoughts about this whole thing is that, you know, in talking about this stranger that caused so much pain to me, I'm, I'm going to say something about that, you know, I used to call him a monster and evil and, you know, just merciless and all of that. And, and to me, you know, just like that woman represents unconditional love. Um, she represents healed pain. What, what someone who knows pain looks like, because she obviously understood what I needed and, and like you said, her partner, whoever that was, they knew how to comfort someone in pain because she had probably processed her pain or being you know, surrounded by pain. To me, what he represents is someone who didn't process their pain. Amen. I totally because, agree with that. Yeah. And I'm going to close with the quote of um, Richard Rohr. He's a you know, a, a, a priest. He's, He's here in Albuquerque sometimes. Uh, yeah. Let me know because I'm there. <laughs> and maybe we can get that hog that we want to get. <laughs> and so he says, pain that is not transformed is transmitted. And so, true. yeah. So he didn't, he didn't have the, the insight or the opportunity to transform his pain. And he just transmitted it to me. Yes. And so that's why I'm passionate about this, about us processing our pain, turning our pain into poetry, into, you know, something beautiful, into something useful. Because when we do that, we stop the transmission of that pain and we don't become that person. You know, it's easy to look at him and say, you know, oh, he was a monster. And that's what I used to say all the time. I couldn't see that, you know, stand aside of him while I was in the trial with him, just looking disgusted at him. Like, what kind of person does this to, to someone? You know, I begged him to stop. I begged him to stop. And he's like, you know what? I'm not condoning what he did, but it didn't start with him. Amen. I'm so glad to hear you process that in a powerful way. That is amazing because that guy... I, yeah, he's transmitting the terrible things that he went through. It doesn't make it right, you know, no, and we, no, no, no. As, as a culture, <laughs> what we're saying, right, is to, we need to look for those people and help them transform their pain. That's our goal. That's my goal with everybody's body is to help them transform their pain so they can be a voice of love, compassion, healing in the world instead of the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, that's, you know, one thing that I always say didn't start with me, but it can end with me. So when I feel like I'm judging people like that, I'm like, where am I like that? You know, where have yeah. people told me to stop and I haven't stopped for some reason, you know, and that's the only thing I can do. Uh, Byron Katie says there are three types of businesses, my business, your business and God's business. And so my business is just, you know, where am I, where, where can I be that? Where can I not be?
be what I don't want to be. And so I think that, you know, I, I can focus on myself and see where I am. I don't want to transmit the pain. Um, and sometimes it's not, you know, we can say, well, how do you know he went through that? Well, he may not have, but there's generational trauma that affects our behavior that we have no idea where it's coming from too. So, so, you know, it's, I, I could be 50% wrong or 50% right. What serves me today? What gives me peace? What makes me a better human? What is going to, again, allow, allow me to live a true life rather yes. than a life that is contracted by my anger and my judgment? Yes, you are beautiful in and out. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I mean, you're so powerful and I hope that this has helped. I'm sure it has some people who are listening and so many gems um, of incredible love from you. So I can't wait for our next session. And um, thank, you. Um, yeah, thank you so much also for that Richard Rohr um, uh, quote. I will have all these links that you said um, below so people can go look at some of these uh, books that um, some of the people that you mentioned have written and, and all of yours, of course. Thank so you. thank you so much again. And um, I can't wait to meet you again and maybe in person. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for listening, and I hope you really enjoyed this amazing interview with Alina. I hope to have her on many more times. She's just an amazing, amazing person, and her energy is just so powerful and really healing. So if you would like to get a hold of her, but you can't see the show notes, Text me or email me at ruth at ruthcummings.com or you can text me at 505-332-9292 and I can get that information to you as right away. Thanks for listening again. Have a wonderful day. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Your Body Advocate with Ruth Cummings. We're so glad you've joined us today and truly believe you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life. To connect with Ruth, work with Ruth, or to grab your free ebook, go to ruthcummings.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, friends, be open, include the unincluded, think outside the box, and spread love and kindness one smile at a time.